that you're constantly seeking this savior, whether that's Trump or Biden mm-hmm. or a prince in the past or the king or the the hero journey of a character that saved us from the dragons. Right. As humans, we are programmed to look for this other, the outsider that comes and allows us to be better. Back to the purpose of increases our sense of well-being, our you know the chance of survival. Yes, right. Whereas I think back to the concept of Bitcoin and decentralized power, which when you say decentralized, you don't think about the inherent like now it's yours part of it like power internalized to right yeah. power to, to the people yes now you are your own savior mm-hmm. you are that archetype of the hero that now you need to cultivate yes hey everybody welcome to the what is money show i am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor, and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C dot com. Sophie Von Lahr, welcome to the What Is Money show. Thanks for having me. Just had your wonderful husband on. Uh, We had a very interesting conversation about his organization, Students for Liberty. And now you and I, I think, are going to have a bit of a rabbit hole conversation on the relationship between Bitcoin and leadership. Yeah. Um. So you start here with something I've never heard of. Um, I'm looking at our notes. Leadership defined as the great man theory versus leaders that are made. Um, could you just unpack that for us? What What is this great man theory versus leaders that perhaps are made? 
Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, it is an honor to be on the show that I've been listening to for forever and appreciating every second of it. Oh, thank you. Um, so I think the difference is, historically speaking, people always viewed leadership as your birthright. Like you're born into leadership, the monarchs, you're, you're the prince of a king or, you know, you come to power through government because there is your father is a Kennedy mm-hmm. or whatever. You have some sort of connection. So there is this concept of the great man is born. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I believe is that Bitcoin changes the paradigm to leaders are made. Mm-hmm through the understanding of how the power shifts from the more of a centralized idea to the individual. Mm. And now it's your responsibility to understand how to be the right leader for this movement. Mm. So the additional responsibility, I guess power and responsibility that Mm -hmm. Bitcoin gives the individual sort of moves us from this world where we have hereditary leadership Mm -hmm. um which we still sort of do to like we think we're liberal democracy or whatever but whatever you know bush senior bush jr you know you have they have these dynasties still that we're moving more towards a world that is perhaps more merit based Mm -hmm. in terms of what leaders are promoted to those positions 100 percent And one point you brought up before the show is the concept of the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and not just entrepreneurship as to the form of creating value, but entrepreneurship in the firm terms of creating yourself, mm-hmm. right? Taking on a leader identity. Mm. And I think that concept of now you are not only responsible for your actions, but also in charge of your destiny mm. changes the entire paradigm of leadership and power. And I think it's very similar to the concepts that you've been discussing on your show of money now has a new definition mm-hmm. through the lens of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? We look at it as social contract. Michael Saylor talks about energy and mm-hmm. we, we look at it differently. And I think now we have to look at leadership differently. Mm-hmm. It's time to re-examine what it means to be a leader. It's fascinating, yeah. One of the themes, it was an unexpected theme that I discovered in doing this show and continually rediscover, is that question, what is money, seems to highlight mm-hmm. the inadequacy of language, right? That we're, we're dealing with a very complex, fluid reality. Mm-hmm. Everything's sort of interacting with everything else all the time. But for us to communicate and deal with that reality, we use these little discrete data packets called words and language. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a mapping tool, but it's never, it's indispensable. Like we can't do, it's the best thing we've got is language. It's mm-hmm. very important, obviously. We're using it right now. Yeah. Um, but it's inadequate to completely describe the complexities of reality. 100%. And it sounds like maybe leadership fits that bill as well. Because, you know, what is what is leadership, right? Like it's, as you were saying offline, it's not like there's a static leader and static followers. Right. Although social media might make you believe that, right? When you have a number of followers, but it's much more of this dynamic process where in any moment, someone might be leading and then someone might be following. So it's like this dialogical process. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think that perhaps redefining money 
I guess we've redefined money with Bitcoin, or at least yeah. made a more perfect. Well, we are redefining. I 100% agree. That we're perhaps redefining leadership as we well are too. Defining leadership, yeah. and to your point about fluidity of the concept of leadership, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I wanted to start writing uh, my admission paper for my PhD in leadership, I was like looking at natural phenomenon and trying to see how leadership manifests itself in nature. And I came across the flock of birds near a metro station in DC. And I saw how one bird takes on the role of the leader for one second and the rest follow. Mm-hmm. And then that shifts with the dynamics mm. and the environment. And how natural and fast that kind of navigation works with the purpose, which is one of the fundamental concepts of the definition of leadership mm. with the purpose of maximizing the potential for the well-being of the group mm. right interesting so knowing that there is a purpose behind it all right i think it changes how you're looking at leadership if you're not just seeking control yes which is something that bitcoin tells you no 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 right you know the control is in the hand of the people yes when the control changes, right, and you're seeking this kind of value-driven mindset, yes, right, of now the purpose is well-being. The purpose is to have a decentralized environment where the individual can be in control of what they need to do for their own future. Right. And when that shift happens, you can always become the head bird. Yes. Right? And then... The next moment, Robert is interviewing you and he's like, Robert, do your magic, man. Like, I sit here and you're the leader in this. We shift our leader identity and right. follower identity depending on the environment. We are on in. the purpose. On the purpose. Well, because as soon as I ask you a question and you give me an answer, you take the leadership role back, 100%. right? Because I'm inquiring and you're leading. Exactly. And that, the, the, I love that you honed in on purpose. It's actually something Wolf and I were talking about too, yeah. that Human hierarchies, they're organizing under a mission or a purpose right. or a goal. And the leader of that organization is meant to embody that principle, right? They have to, mm-hmm. they are the representative of that higher mission. They are, they're not controlling their subordinates, but they are uh, influencing them, hopefully in positive ways that, that lead towards the fulfillment of that purpose or that mission. And Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. This is the way humans have always organized themselves. The danger comes, though, once you start to confuse the principle of sovereignty mm-hmm. with an individual sovereign, right? Yeah. The actual leader with the mission in this case. And when you start to do that, that's mm-hmm. when things devolve really rapidly, right? Because then all of a sudden, this guy is a static yep. leader. He, right, yep. he doesn't have this dynamic role with his people anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when things, again, if things become static or they rigidify Mm -hmm. then it's not adapting to this complex fluid reality so it falls apart almost by definition Mm -hmm. and i guess and the other thing about purpose it's really interesting we've been i'm doing a keynote on this but like the meaning of meaning yeah that's one of the topics we went into and there's sort of three meanings to the word meaning sorry this is a bit of a tangent but one would be what is the meaning of life yeah right so that is saying what is the significance or the worth or the purpose of life, right? It's like this big uh, ontological kind of question. The second meaning of the word meaning is 
when you say something like, oh, he, he means well, or I didn't mean to do that. It has to do with how closely our intentions are connected to our actions, mm-hmm. right? If, it, if I didn't mean to do that, that means my intentions were divorced from my actions, for instance. And then the third meaning of the word meaning is this traditional sense of like orderly information. Mm-hmm. When I say, what is the meaning of the word praxeology, right? You know, the study or the science of human action, that there's a very specific sequence of words that make up that definition. No other sequence of words makes up the meaning of the word praxeology, for instance. Right. So it's purpose, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's somewhere the meaning of everything we're doing has to do with what we are purpose fit to do. And humans, our superpower is that we can collaborate and we're meaning making machines. Um, we're meaning making machines, yeah. but we're we're able to organize large groups of ourselves under a single purpose. I'm reflecting now on the Yuval Harari thesis, where it says, you know, you can unite a chimp uh, troop, 150 strong, but you can unite 10 million humans under a flag, right, under one symbol. So it's something about that that our purpose as humans is to be able to organize ourselves towards the achievement of larger purposes. 100%. I mean, even looking at it through a more of a Jungian perspective, the archetype of hero is so inherently in our collective unconscious Mm -hmm. that you're constantly seeking this savior, whether that's Trump or Biden Mm -hmm. or a prince in the past or the king or the the hero journey of a character that saved us from the dragons. Right. As humans, we are programmed to look for this other, the outsider, that comes and allows us to be better. Back to the purpose of increases our sense of well-being, our you know the chance of survival. Yes. Right. Whereas I think back to the concept of Bitcoin and decentralized power, which when you say decentralized, you don't think about the inherent, like now it's yours, part of it, like eternalized, right, power to to the people. Now you are your own savior. Mm -hmm. You are that archetype of the hero that now you need to cultivate. Yes. Right? So that shift, that paradigm shift that is so inherently like unfamiliar Mm -hmm. to us, but the human history mm-hmm. is something that I argue one needs to intentionally engage and reflect on and to see like, so now what? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the purpose to your point? What is the purpose of this whole, this whole thing? And what is my purpose in the whole yes. thing? Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the, the hero's journey. Man, we talk about this a lot. It's so fascinating. I think it seems like it might be related to, and we said this earlier, right? Reality is not linear. 100%. It's all, everything's interacting with everything else. There's feedback loops between different phenomena. Everything. Even when we say phenomena, it's like we're kind, we're arbitrarily drawing a box around a thing and saying this affected that. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there's just this continuum. Yeah. And so the hero's journey seems to be a mythological representation of that feedback loop that we all go through like constantly right you go into the world you face a challenging job or you do a workout or you travel the world go into a new culture you're constantly like exposing yourself to something novel yeah 
discovering where you're misfit or not, you know, you're not able to accord with whatever that thing is, the challenge or the culture or the the workout, whatever it is. And then there's feedback that comes in and you adapt, right? And it's that, that constant continuous process of adaptation mm-hmm. that the hero mythology seems to represent. Yes. And it's not outside of us, right? It's not, although we might have perceived it that way, that we need a hero to come and do that it's actually it lives it is living itself almost it is life itself is this constant hero's journey yeah and maybe bitcoin is just shifting the emphasis back to that reality right that you are responsible for your own life no one's coming to save you something like that and i think you're 100 percent correct i think not only that it highlights bitcoin highlights i think it's always been that but bitcoin highlights the importance of you being responsible mm-hmm. for your own destiny, right? You know, and and it's not just about cybersecurity, like keep your you know things on a cold call a cold wallet, yeah. and like it's about what you do with that power and what. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, the Gold Investment Letter. The Gold Investment Letter helps sophisticated investors navigate capital markets and maximize their profits in trading gold, silver, and mining stocks. The Gold Investment Letter seeks out the most undervalued companies and identifies special situations in the mining sector, and then provides in-depth analysis on both their financial positions and future prospects. The Gold Investment Letter explores many complex domains, such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends, all with the goal of making you a better investor. The Gold Investment Letter offers a free version and a paid premium version, And I strongly recommend you at least sign up for the free version because after having read a few of these issues, I can promise you it is a treasure trove of good information. You can sign up for the free newsletter today at goldinvestmentletter.com. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. Looks like a mini iPhone, a little touchscreen and camera on it. Uh, The device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high-res three-inch touchscreen. It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility, and it's a really a, a brand new UI UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian, Chris Rock. Insurance, you got to have some insurance. You got to, there's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? So with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. 
And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. But going back to your point about the internalized power, I think one concept that captures it very well is transformative learning theory, which very much looks at life, the hero's journey, through the lens of the continuously encounter disorienting dilemmas in life. Mm, mm, yes. Which is such a parallel to this whole concept of the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. right? Which you are dropped into, uh-huh. right? Which means like you're disoriented, you're in this space of unknown, right? So when you look at transformative learning theory, just very parallel, very much like similar uh, to this whole hero's journey, mm. the first thing after you encounter this orienting dilemma is just kind of a sense of, disorientation, confusion, not knowing, being lost, yeah. this next step is self-examination. Yes. Of what am I? Who am I? What do I know about reality? Mm-hmm. Are these things that I'm receiving, the feedback loop, consistent with my assumptions? Yes. Right? And, and through that lens, you engage in experimentation mm-hmm. with not just things, but who you are. Right. You create a leader identity, you create self-identity, right. you create your own whatever. Role exactly, yeah. role-play, yes. 100%. You, you put on different masks, you yes. fit, with yes. which one is more authentic. And then through that, you learn self-efficacy. Right. Which is a kind of the muscle of self-confidence. Mm. And then but exactly what you said, it's a feedback loop within a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. You do it again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, the more resilient you become. Right. Right? Yes. It's a spiral. Like we talked about, like it's a spiral. It's not a staircase, it's a spiral. You keep coming back to the same truth. Yes. And learn them in a deeper sense. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of circling this axis of truth or whatever the thing is, exactly. but you see it at different aspects and deeper aspects right. as you spiral up or spiral down, depending on the metaphor. <laughs> you see right toddlers doing this too you know like yeah. constantly trying on different personalities and personas mm-hmm. they're playing imaginary or imaginal actually all the time the, i mentioned that book to you earlier about the imaginal um so what is this what i guess if you play this out in your mind like where do you think a bitcoinized world leads us so yeah. to speak is it do we, are we in a less hierarchical world? Are we in a obviously more decentralized world? But what yeah. what does that look like in your estimation? I think obviously you will become more of a decentralized environment. And if you look at it through the lens of leadership, I think the hierarchical culture will no longer be feasible, mm. right? And it becomes a more of a shared leadership model, mm. right? It's just something that a lot of organizations nowadays are examining, right? Of like allowing people like becoming flat organizations, mm-hmm. allowing for that communication and, you know, influence to be more fluid and not have a sense of hierarchy. But I think that will be, that will spread and become more contagious on a societal level. Mm-hmm. I think we will have more of everybody having a say, mm-hmm. right? And we see that with other forms of technology, with social media, for instance, you having a platform. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to be born into money or power. Right. But through your merits, to your entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. to your point, Robert, which I have so much respect for, you clearly are 
gaining that leadership in the space you are in, right? But I think Bitcoin accelerates that because it right. impacts the economy of things, Yes. right? And when the economy is always impacted, when the money changes, uh-huh. everything else changes with it. Yes. Faster, yes. Right? Yeah. Um, I. So part of the thing, this came up earlier, what you were saying, it's often said of great leaders that their number one skill is that they can, they're really good at identifying people of talent, right? Yes. And putting them in the right position, essentially. 100%. And so... Again, if it's if it's about organizing ourselves under a common purpose, mm-hmm. then the 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 modern entrepreneurial leader would be someone that's really good at putting the right people in the right places, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. And then creating that structure that best uh, fulfills the the mission of the collective organization. Mission back to mission purpose, right? Yes. And I think it's the the best leader. I think it's also on top of putting the right place, hiring the right people, or kind of shifting the right resources is also empowering yes right Right. it is also the concept you and i talked about creating the environment where the leadership and fellowship stays fluid Mm -hmm. right yes take direction from the people that know best like hire the right people there's a lot of quotes about that and then kind of sit and listen to what they have to say and then allow them to be the bird for the moment Yes. Right, the yeah. head bird, yeah. and you follow, and then shift again. Right. It's okay yes. to not yes. be in control all right. the time. Yes, right. Yes. So I think that that changes the whole dynamic, and I think empowerment component. Yes, is probably the most important because a lot of people shy away from leadership. Sure, sure. Right. So it's not only just putting the right people in the right place, but like empowering people yes i'm um doing a kind of a workshop in Prague coming up which i know you will be there as well very much looking forward to btc Prague conference and it is going to be very much focused on building the ecosystem and the bitcoiners who are very good at experimentation and that concept of transformative learning and you know knowing how to create things yeah. and then using the same skill set to become better leaders. Mm. Interesting. Right? And empowering them to shape their their own leadership. So the concept of empowerment, I think, it to to answer your question, I think empowerment is the answer to good leadership. Yes. No, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful picture you're painting because Rather than these static hierarchies where there's yes. power at the top and followers at the bottom, it's this dynamic, right? That the the leadership is moving within the organization mm-hmm. as the circumstances demand. Yeah. Um, and I wonder too, because a big theme in Bitcoin is how it can be ego minimizing, yeah, or ego killing even. And it's that whole principle of like we are each just a node on the network, right? There's something so beautiful in that because it seems like like that that simple principle, if you took that into the 20th century, right, you could have undone a lot of this tyrannical madness where these these people go mad with power, right? Like whoever is in a position of power, they think they are the the god or the king or whatever. And um, this idea that humans, it's okay, like you yeah. said, to like to not always be in control. Yeah, you shouldn't always want to be in control, right? Right. There are certain circumstances that you might not know how to deal with adequately. Mm-hmm. You would want to shift control 
over that, your response to that situation to someone who is more adequately uh, experienced or prepared or trained to deal with that. And so moving us from a less static to a more dynamic mode of human self-organization seems like a really good thing. Yeah. Um, both within, like within <laughs> our personal experience of building ourselves, but also without in the sense of like building the world and building organizations, et cetera. One more percent. I think this whole shift requires a lot of intentional kind of programming, mm-hmm. right? I think there's a lot of learning and unlearning involved in understanding that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I rely on a lot of the empirical studies done in changing cultures within an organization. And I think that can be very much amplified and extrapolated into the societal terms. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of research done through Cameron Quinn on how to change the culture in an organization from a hierarchy, mm. which is very similar to the fiat system, mm. to a more of an autocracy entrepreneurial culture, mm. right? And the two elements they discuss in those terms of how to approach it is give people autonomy, mm-hmm. first of all, so kind of that corporate entrepreneurship mentality of yes. let them go and play yeah. and experiment and fail, yes. right? That kind of like let them yeah. be mentality. And then the other part of it is a more of a allowing external sense of integration, meaning that don't make people too much into each other having to report mm-hmm. to a thousand other people mm-hmm. and allow those kind of networks to be as efficient and as self organizing as spontaneous in an organization as right. possible. As playful as possible. As playful yeah. as possible. So it's integration and it's also a function of autonomy yeah. and self-mastery and playfulness, experimentation, corporate entrepreneurship. I love that you're bringing these up. I'm actually, I'm giving a keynote here tomorrow oh, okay. and we're going to be talking about a, a big piece of it is the nature of the flow state. Oh, okay. And a flow state is, it's an optimal human experience mm-hmm. in two senses. One, it's one of the most enjoyable experiences people report having yeah. in a way distinct from pleasure. Like people do weird stuff to get in the flow state, like rock climbing and <laughs> things that aren't pleasurable per se, but they're, they induce flow. And it's also optimal in the sense that people in flow tend to give their best performances. Yes. It's when their skills are matched to the demands of the situation. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, a progression actually that gets you to the flow state and it starts with curiosity like having that you you look at you can see it through the lens of childhood development so if a child is free to be curious they'll find something that interests them they might become passionate about it which would be the step two if the passion deepens enough it can become a purpose in their life right to pursue that passion which is step three purpose and then through the pursuit of this purpose you naturally have to develop autonomy you have to because if you're going to pursue the purpose it doesn't exist in the world. You're trying to create something that doesn't exist in the world. You have to become independent, obviously. You have to go against the grain to make that thing happen. So you develop autonomy. Mm-hmm. And then if you pursue autonomy far enough, you get self-mastery, which is like wow. total command over yourself, your faculties, your skills, etc. And that progression is like how you get into this flow state, this optimal human experience, give your best performance, etc. Mm-hmm. But the piece, and we'll explore this in the keynote, is autonomy has always been weakened because we are not fully autonomous over the things we own private property right not at all 
So that's, there's always been this kink in the chain that we couldn't get, we couldn't create conditions in which people could bootstrap themselves up into self-mastery because we always had this condition of violated private property. So even the most competent among us were not able to push into full autonomy because they're having their shit stolen by the state all the time. 100%. And so we're, we're interrupting this like optimal human experience of flow by building bad socioeconomic systems. So it's, it's interesting that you brought up those topics of curiosity and self-mastery. Which is so interesting you mentioned that because I think socialism as a or communism or socialism, whatever it is, I personally see that very similar, um, controversial. Um, it very much takes away yeah. from that allowing humans to flourish and reach a state of flow which seems to be the purpose of it but it's really counterintuitive to the idea of letting people be and i think to your point of just flow in general and how to go through that kind of feedback loop you Mm -hmm. just described i kind of see it always as a more of a cognitive habit Mm. right and like habits like we will learn what a habit is you know there is something that is triggered and then you do an action and there's a reward like a um, you know and then you're rewarded by it and then it becomes a part of you you get conditioned into doing it cognitive habits are very similar there's just a mental aspect of it instead of a behavioral it's Mm -hmm. mental right Right. so the question is how to create that trick the right trigger or the right reward Mm -hmm. at the end that allows people to be in the flow Yes. Or be more autonomous. Well, yes. how can we incentivize people to continue to want to be autonomous? Because there are some, honestly, there are some good things about being, uh, you know, a slave of a bigger system. Yeah. Oh, what is uh, Jordan Peterson says, you know, when um, the exodus out of Egypt right. and the Israelites were, did 40 years in the desert mm-hmm. and it, a lot of them craved to go back to the tyranny right yeah like it and the theme was there's stability inside the tyranny 100%. even if it's miserable it's like you know what to expect it's predictable it's mm-hmm. you, you know you know what's coming there's cert there's some certainty there mm-hmm. and people can gravitate towards that but obviously that can be too much and right. it can suppress the human spirit human flourishing as well so we're constantly trying to find this dynamic equilibrium between the static mm-hmm. tyranny and the purely spontaneous anarchy. Yeah. And and I think one of the triggers of allowing people to think more autonomously is to have more conversations about things that we are having right mm-hmm. now. Right. I think a trigger is to Allow these things to not be completely something you feel, but making a common human experience mm-hmm. by having the right dialogue and conversations. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, normalizing fear. Mm. Yes. I think a lot of us are afraid to admit that we are fearful of being Afraid fully. to feel fear. Exactly. <laughs> we are afraid to feel, feel fear of autonomy. Right. We are tribal as humans. Yes. And having to go against certain establishment creates fear. Uh-huh. So normalizing, having these conversations that I'm worried when I talk about socialism because I don't know who's going to listen to mm-hmm. this and I don't know what I'm going to be isolated and exiled from mm-hmm. group friends somewhere, right? Yeah. And that fear is okay because I'm human. Yes. 
And I will continue to do it because it is something that, again, triggers yes. the loop of autonomy. Yes, yes, yes. And it's not, courage is not the absence of fear. Absolutely. It's a response to fear. It's a response. So you can't even really have or exhibit courage without experiencing fear. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a great point. Um, these, I, I mean, these ideas are heretical in a day where the society has drifted far from the truth, let's say, right? That we are each indeed responsible for our own lives. There is no organization, no government that's responsible for you or is coming to save you. There's no external hero, as we said earlier. The hero is internal. And Bitcoin is just shifting that locus back to where it truly resides right or the perception of that locus back to where it truly resides yep now i'd like to tell you about our sponsor wasabi wallet with wasabi wallet you can receive send and store bitcoin privately in wasabi wallet your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden wasabi wallet is easy to use all of its privacy features are built in by default and it works with any amount of bitcoin Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, A multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. And the power, right? Yes. Power. That's the element we haven't touched on. I think um, we talked about purpose. We talked about control. We talked about autonomy. We talked about integration. But I think power is the concept that a lot of people don't understand because usually power most often as a legitimate power. Mm-hmm. I think the work of French and Raven a billion years ago was a very interesting way of understanding the basis of power. And one of the powers that is emerging these days, besides the more classic reward, coercive reward, referent, like, um, legitimate power is right now is more about connection power. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? The power of the network, the power of us, again, empowering each other in the form that we are doing right now by having the right conversations, mm-hmm. by being in this conference, by being in that idea of gaining power through this creating the right connections. Mm-hmm is something that is going to be even more important as we become more, you know, a part of this final state of Bitcoin yeah. being the the norm of the society. Yes. No, it's a great point. You know, we establish 
authentic dialogue yeah. because we orient ourselves under the pursuit of truth, right? 100%. I'm not here trying to like put a, deliver a point. I don't think you're trying to deliver a point. No. Yeah. We're both saying like, here's how I currently see it. Mm-hmm. I want to hear how you see it. And then it's like, how do we get closer to that central axis again that we're yeah. spiraling around? Mm-hmm. And that is, that's what we're describing in these other systems is like orienting people under a higher principle. Yeah. Typically the pursuit of truth or, you know, freedom, justice, mm-hmm. you know, unity, all of these things, again, just words, mm-hmm. um, somehow gets us closer to our, our higher purpose as individuals, right? Which Very is, much. I don't know, we're all unique. Like, why did nature make us unique? Like with all these variety of skill sets, it's, it's, reality throws a lot of different problems at us. Mm-hmm. So I guess nature gave us this very wide diversity of skills and talents and features, biological features, mm-hmm. such that we can contend with reality in any of its different manifestations. But we can contend with it best when we right. collaborate and we collaborate best when we orient ourselves under higher principles. So yep. Yep. it's fascinating to think about. And it's fascinating that yep. money, of all things, has us sitting here talking about these mm-hmm esoteric Jungian archetypal conversations yeah but money is many of your episodes discuss money clearly but even the definition of the social contract aspect of it right it is it is very much of a network effect to begin with and network effect is the concept of power of connection yeah yeah what you just said right? right yeah so money is how we communicate Right. Mm -hmm. That's how we communicate by giving each other what value we have and then gaining value by getting something in return. So it's a form of communication. And as humans, back to the power of connections, that's how we connect with each other in the most meaningful, authentic way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because I can tell you you're great and you'll be like, okay, I kind of believe you. Yeah. But But low, low cost messaging versus high cost messaging. messaging. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm putting like I have skin in the game and yes. I give you money. Yes. So it truthfully is meaningful. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's the best compliment. Yes. Because I could have done something else with that money. Right, right. So it is it is a form of not like creating connections between humans when we so that's why I love capitalism so much. Yes. Like I think the essence of it is very spiritual in a essence. Yes, it is. Right? When I give you money, that means I am complimenting you for what the value you brought to me. Yes, exactly. And when you pay me, you're telling me, okay, good job. It given me something. It's like a praise or something. It's a praise. It's yeah. a gratitude yes. format. Yeah. But in a way that nothing else can be as meaningful. Yes. And it, when you describe too that we're we're generating power through right. connection. 100%. Money is almost like a manifestation of that, right? It's like exactly. this money is power, right? And money has no power mm-hmm. in a world where there's no connection, right? If you're yeah. alone on a desert island, well, money isn't it means nothing. You have no trading partners, there's no division of labor. Mm-hmm. There's nothing being produced, so money has no claim on anything. It holds yeah. no power. But when there's a network of people engaged in collaboration, all of a sudden money is almost is synonymous with power. We say money is power, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that it's that it's the connections ultimately. Yes. It's the relationships that yeah. give humans empowerment. One hundred percent. Uh and the the more that the more that we can 
I guess, maintain the integrity of those connections. Right. Well, now I'm thinking like if you debase the currency, right, yes. into hyperinflation, all the connections are broken, right? No one can use money with anyone else. Society collapses. But with incorruptible money mm-hmm. or undebasable money like Bitcoin, in theory, you could uphold those connections forever. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it contributes to the collective empowerment of the species, I guess. 100%. Back to the concept of the hierarchy versus autocracy entrepreneurial culture and mm-hmm. the difference. In a hierarchy, in an environment of a fiat system, right, there is a lot of links, but some are not active mm-hmm. because I cannot pick up the phone and call Biden today, <laughs> right? I cannot be like, hey, what was that about? Like, right? Like, that, that was, that was, he wouldn't know what it was anyways. Yeah. But what was this thing like, ringing at me? Like, <laughs> but like, I can call, like, there is no connection, real link between my note and that note. That's right. There is a hierarchy and that that actually there is lack of transparency, there is lack of access, there is lack of connection back to that power of connection. Whereas when you make it flat, when you make it decentralized, you allow for this node to communicate with that node and give feedback. Yes. And that is the essence of a spontaneous live economy, Mm -hmm. which again, economy people kind of separate those concepts is very much the essence of human flourishing and the essence of us telling each other, I appreciate that about you, do more of that, and then you know me better that way, and then we can become better in that relationship. Yes. Serve each other better. Yes. No, it's it's beautifully said. Information is flowing. Exactly. Right, which is, again, back to that other meaning of the word meaning. When information is flowing, all of a sudden we can make sense of the world around us. And we are more free to pursue purpose and the other meaning of the word meaning. One hundred percent. It's remarkable, isn't it? I it's just I, sometimes I have these fascinating conversations with people like you, and I'm like, how did we get here? Yeah. Talking about money, but it is. It has to do with these things: connection, yes, empowerment, integrity, mm-hmm. freedom, truth, justice. They're all somehow wrapped up in this economic concept. It is. I mean. Bitcoin does not have followers because it's just money, right? right? Bitcoin has, and again, we talked about money as being this fan- fantastic thing. I'm not saying minimizing its importance, but I'm saying Bitcoin is a philosophy. Yes, yes. Bitcoin is a way of life. It's a worldview. It's now you have this lens in front of your eyes that everything shifts as a result of it. Yes. Right. I look at it like my my rabbit hole right now. Obsession is leadership, right? Like yours is money. This is, like, but we're all looking at things, yes, in a new way, yes, right. So, the question is now that we are confronted by this disorienting dilemma, this change, this questioning, this self examination, what is next? Yes, and that is up to us to decide, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So. How are we going to empower one another, right? Take on a leadership role. Yes. To empower one another in the most authentic way and asking the right questions and improving the connections Mm -hmm. by the way that allows for the network to grow. Mm. So I think the answer to it all is the power of connections. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Right? Yeah. And seeing how that can manifest. 
Mm. I think that is a beautiful place to end it. Yeah, um, I, I think so too. Uh -huh. If you, unless you have any final words, and then if you could please let my audience know where they could find you on the internet, and thank you, by the way, for doing this. Thank you for having me. Um, it was fun. Yeah, these conversations always very, very enjoyable for me. So yeah, yeah, same. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Sophie von Lohr, um, LinkedIn is my, you know, social media of uh, preference and Twitter as well. Sophie Stem is my handle. Um, very accessible. If anybody ever has a question about leadership and Bitcoin, this is my hyperfixation these days. Mm -hmm. Always available. Wonderful. Sophie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah.